Welcome to the Align with Spirit podcast. The Align with Spirit podcast is a program that takes a look at life through the lens of metaphysical occult, new thought, comparative religion, and new age philosophy. Each week, a new topic is reviewed and explored. Topics range from practical self-help advice and holistic self-healing to the paranormal, supernatural, and the mystical in nature. Our host is John Culbertson. He is an ordained metaphysical minister and certified metaphysical mind practitioner. He is also a Reiki master, shamanic practitioner, a Wiccan priest, a tarot card reader, and an astrologer. Before being ordained as a metaphysical minister, he had previously been ordained as an evangelical Christian minister. He is also a lifelong student of psychology and counseling, having degrees in both the psychology of human behavior and spiritual counseling. Now it's time to quiet our mind and open our soul as we align with spirit. Hello, and welcome to the Align with Spirit podcast. My name is John Culbertson. Our topic today is understanding the pagan wheel of the year. So the wheel of the year is a seasonal cycle of celebrations meant to help people attune to a particular type of energy that is associated with a particular time of the year. Almost all religions have some sort of calendar that they use to mark important time periods in their faith's history. And paganism is no different. The pagan calendar is not so much about marking important historical events. It's more about attuning to certain types of energies associated with the seasons. Now, it's important to understand that not every pagan celebrates the holidays that I'm going to be talking about today. Some will celebrate four of the eight. Others will celebrate all eight. Still, others are only going to focus on one or two. It all depends on the tradition that they were trained in or the family that they were brought up in. Likewise, different people, groups, families, they all have their own specific traditions which they engage in on these holidays that we're going to be talking about. And these traditions can vary greatly from person to person, family to family. The main ethical belief in Wicca, and one that many other pagans tend to resonate with, even if they don't state it, is this idea that as long as you aren't harming yourself or another person, you should do what you want to do and enjoy life. And many of the celebrations are focused on this idea of enjoyment of life. So what I want to do is I want to take a quick tour around the seasonal celebrations as they have been taught to me and as I've learned from my research. Again, keeping the previous points in mind that this varies greatly from pagan to pagan, tradition to tradition, family to family, individual to individual. So we're going to start with Samhain, which many people mistakenly call Samhain. But the pronunciation is Samhain, and it's one of the most important holiday celebrations. It occurs usually on October 31st, though some people celebrate October 31st and November 1st. And for many, it marks the beginning of the new year. This is especially true if a person is aligned with witchcraft or a Wicca belief system. This is the time of year that is meant to honor those who have passed on from this world. And that is done in many different ways. 
One example is speaking with people who have passed away, just talking to them as though they're still there. Another example, quite popular, is creating a dinner, whereas at the table you put empty plates for those family members who have passed on and that can't be with you. Now, when we talk about this idea of communicating with those who have passed over, we're typically talking about it happening in one of two ways. And the first, a physical individual, one, a person who's alive, they end up talking to the individuals, other people, about their beloved relatives who have passed away, and they do this to honor their memory. They tell stories about them. And of course, the other way to do it is through the concept of mediumship, that psychic ability that allows one to communicate with those who have passed over. And this a lot of times happens on Samhain because it's considered the time period when the veil between the worlds is considered the thinnest. And as such, the belief is that things like mediumship, like divination, like fortune-telling, they typically tend to be easier at this time, and the results typically tend to be more profound, more powerful. Decorations for Samhain typically include jack-o'-lanterns, pentacles, ravens, and the color orange. Other decor may include autumn flowers, pine cones, and of course... What do we make jack-o'-lanterns out of usually? Pumpkins. Some will put golden yellow mums in the house. And cider tends to be a common drink. Many people at this time reflect on the past. And they process the past as they prepare for this new year. Additionally, some will spend time focusing on their weaknesses. Because they want to purge them or overcome them. Black candles are often lit to ward off negativity. And some will write their weaknesses on a piece of paper and then burn that paper, believing that it helps to release those bad habits. This is the time of year where many witches will buy a new broom and dedicate it. The broom is most often used to sweep away old and harmful energy. And finally, no discussion of Sal would be complete without talking about costumes. Many pagans wear costumes at Samhain, but not in the Americanized traditional spirit of Halloween. Instead, they choose to wear costumes a lot of times based on what they hope or want to become in the future. Thus, it becomes a form of sympathetic magic, where the idea is that if you can embrace what you desire to become in the present and live like that, it will help the energies navigate towards bringing those things into conscious reality. The Samhain mood is oftentimes one of awe, excitement, and mystery, and also typically fun. However, talking to the dead, giving and getting readings, things like that, they're usually approached in a more serious manner, as one would expect. Following Samhain, we come across Yule, which is also known as the Winter Solstice. Date of celebration varies from year to year because of the astronomical changes that occur every year. Typically, it's celebrated somewhere between the 20th and 22nd of December, although many will celebrate from December 21st until January 1st. 
Again, it depends upon what you were taught, how you grew up. Yule is most often celebrated by, of course, lighting the Yule log. And then the Yule log is kept in the home all year because it's said to bring added protection into the home. The traditional Christmas colors of red and green are most often used in decor. Cookies are baked, and wreaths of holly are many times hung. Bayberry candles are sometimes lit to help bring wealth and happiness for the upcoming year. But other traditions include cutting and decorating the Yule tree, exchanging gifts, and lighting fires and candles to encourage the sun's swift return. The mood for Yule is usually one of hope, and there's also a certain feeling of coziness that also often occurs. Our next celebration is Imblik, which many pronounces Imbolc, but Imblik began as a celebration to banish winter. And many combine the celebrations of Candle Mass and Valentine's Day into their Imblik celebrations. But again, not everyone. Every pagan is different, and it's important to understand each individual's traditions. I will say this over and over again. Ask the individual what their traditions are. Get to know them personally. On the Candlemas side of things, a crown of light is usually lit to symbolize the hastening and coming of spring. And in case you don't know what a crown of light is, it's a bunch of white candles in a circle that are lit. In some traditions, this circle of candles is worn on the head, usually of a young girl. But in others, these candles are set in a circle on an altar or some other place within the environment. Lavender and white candles are often burned at this time, and the focus of this holiday is usually on purification and initiation. It is a great time to restock magical supplies, give the food pantries, have potluck dinners, but it's also a good time to clean the house and to change all your tablecloths and curtains. Now, in some traditions, three ears of fried corn will be tied together with spring-colored ribbons, and they will be hung outside the house. And this is supposed to help bring wealth and protection into the home and into the, for the people until approximately the fall equinox. At that point, these three ears of fried corn that have been tied together with spring ribbons are usually buried in the garden. Perhaps of all the traditions, the one I find most amusing, and the one that many will find odd, centers on giving and getting spankings. This occurs because some traditions combine, combine Lupercalia into Imbolc. Lupercalia was a festival celebrated in early Rome around February 15th. It is believed on that day that if a man playfully spanks a woman, it will help with pregnancy, fertility, and improving her health and well-being. This rite traditionally involves a playful chase, and it's usually more of a symbolic spanking, very light, instead of anything that would actually cause pain. It's meant to induce laughter and fun, and obviously this is a consensual activity. But in another, even rarer variation of this, someone will ask their partner to spank them, stating a bad habit they wish to be rid of, 
and as the spanking occurs, the person being spanked repeatedly repeats the bad habit they wish to be rid of. The rationale here is that the spankings are considered purifying, and they typically are much more stingy than the previously mentioned playful ones. The idea is that the sting will be associated with the bad habit, and while the individual is in the altered state of consciousness that occurs from the pain, the mind will be reprogrammed to associate that bad habit with pain and thus eliminate the bad habit. Again, this is all consensual, and I will point out this is certainly not practiced by a majority of pagans, at least not those that I've spoken with. The Muda Imblik tends to be more serious in nature, except where noted, because purification is often serious business. It's uh, interesting to note that the general public will celebrate some of these traditions at other times of the year. For example, in the Czech Republic and in some Hungarian parts, it's common to spank women on Easter for the same reason. Likewise, in Norway, and in those places that celebrate St. Lucy's Day, which is a Christian festival occurring on December 13th, at that point in time, the crown of candles is worn, and the candles are lit while Mass is celebrated. So, these traditions, of course, aren't unique to just pagan culture. They can be found in other cultures as well. And that's always worth bearing in mind. Let's talk about Ostara. Or the spring equinox. So the spring equinox is usually celebrated around March 21st, but as with all equinoxes and solstices, the exact date depends on the astronomical calendar. Ostara is a celebration of balance and is most closely associated with Easter. As such, you can expect Easter-like decorations. For example, light green, lemon, yellow, and pink. And eggs are also often colored in place on the altar. Sweet cakes are traditionally served at dusk, or there's a breakfast held at sunrise, again, depending on your tradition. Many traditions will plant seeds on the Ostara celebration, both actual seeds and symbolic ones. Before being planted, they will be richly blessed with the idea that these seeds are going to grow over the course of the year. Ostara focuses, focuses on gardening and on growing these planted seeds. And of course, that's associated with the idea that this is the time to start new projects. But not just start new projects, tend to them to make sure that they go well. The mood for Ostara often returns to hopefulness, and that tends to be a big focus. Up next is Beltane, May 1st, special day for many pagans. It's a fire festival, and it's traditionally a celebration of love and union. The colors for the festival are red and white, and house decorations might include a large bowl of floating flowers and white floating candles. Of course, they're floating in water. Additionally, baskets of fresh flowers are usually picked and hung near the front door. Flower petals are often spread around the outside parameter of the home for protection. And the mood for this day is usually jovial and very flirty. 
but obviously this is without crossing any personal boundaries. The maypole tends to be a symbol that's very often associated with this day. Both males and females, old and young, everyone does the maypole dance, and it's done to increase fertility and to build energy to be used in manifesting desires. Hopes are consummated on this day by being shared with someone of the opposite gender. This is seen as another method of adding energy to manifestation. Bonfires can be popular, and it's believed that anyone who has the courage to leap over a fire on this day will have great luck in the upcoming season. Large outdoor parties are very common for Beltane and are expected but not so common as a lesser-known tradition that I discovered, where a female chooses a tree in her crush's yard and decorates it with ribbons, typically pink and red, and this is done to demonstrate her interest in him and her desire to claim him as her own. Following Beltane is Midsummer, or the Summer Solstice, sometimes called Letha, and this is the longest day of the year. It occurs around the 21st of June, but as always, the exact date depends on what? Yes, the astronomical calendar. Midsummer is all about the Sun King. It is a celebration of passion and success. Powerful magic and manifestation can be accomplished on this day, especially when it's in the name of business, money, or prosperity. As with Beltane, bonfires are common, and so are large outdoor parties and gatherings. Sunflowers tend to be the traditional decoration of the holiday, and altar candles tend to be gold and red. For some, a wreath is hung on a door with red and yellow feathers braided with ivy, all of which are traditional summer symbols. In some traditions, they will bring a money tree plant into the home as a symbol of preparing for the wealth that is soon to come from the harvest. And while all this is fun, nighttime is where the real action is. Because midsummer is the longest day of the year, many use the twilight hours in nighttime to commune with field and forest spirits and fairies. Traveling, camping, and hiking are all bonding activities. But let's not forget the true purpose of this celebration is fertility, health, and love. Similar to Beltane, the moon tends to be jovial and flirty, but Midsummer also brings with it a certain amount of mischievousness. And this is usually associated with the fairies. So pranks and gags, jokes, are many times engaged in and encouraged. And it's all about having a good time. Our next festival occurs on August 1st, and there are many names known for the start of the harvest season. I'm going to call it Lamas. Another name for it is Lunasa. Fall activities usually begin here, and they include canning, baking bread, and decorating the house in fall colors. Usually curtains, tablecloth, rugs are replaced. Colors are usually yellows, reds. 
and some will decorate their altar with the first fruits of their garden as an offering. It is a time of gratitude and thanksgiving, and the mood tends to be aligned with these themes. But competitiveness is also an essential part of the overall mood. On this day, many will play athletic games. There will be sports and tests of endurance and strength. And people participate with the idea of upholding their family or personal honor. Now, according to legend, these games occur because the god Lunasaz wishes and desires for these games. And they're meant to please him and appease him. Additionally, separate from that, this is a good time for restocking your herbs. If you really want to get a feel for this holiday, think of the Scottish Highland Games. That gives you a real good feel for what we're talking about for Lamas, for Lunasaw. And interesting enough, it occurs around the same time of the year. Hmm. Following this is the autumn equinox, Mabon, although some will pronounce it Mabon. It is the second harvest, and it's usually associated with corn. As such, cornbread is the traditional food for this time period. Mabon can run from the equinox all the way to September 29th. But as always, of course, it depends upon who's celebrating in their personal traditions. We return to cider being a popular drink. And rituals at this time of the year are typically focused on balance and thanksgiving. And they may include things like clearing the aura, clearing and balancing the chakras, cutting energy cords, and so forth. This is also a great time for empowering stones and crystals, communicating with stones and crystals. Colors, of course, are traditionally brown, gold, and red. And let's not forget leaf viewing is common. But so is using fallen leaves as decorations around the house. Our mood here tends to be more on the cozy side of things, with ample time placed on being close with family and or very close friends. And then from here, we return back to Samhain. So, this is kind of a tour of the Wheel of the Year, and I just want to end by saying that it's important to note that we're not covering every possible tradition for each celebration, merely a few that I have learned about in my 20 years of studying paganism and multiple religions. You can do your own research on the celebrations, and in fact, many pagans will spend years figuring out what their own personal traditions are, especially those that are new to paganism, those who didn't grow up in it, those who don't have a family lineage to kind of teach them, those who haven't belonged to a group that they can learn from, those people that are solitary in nature, it can take them a long time to figure out what their own personal traditions are, as well as which rituals to use. Let's remember that the primary focus of paganism, indeed, most earth-based religions, is love. 
That concept is, as long as you're not harming yourself or another person, do what you will. And I think it's very important that we examine our capability of tolerance, particularly when it comes to those who are new and who are just starting to learn. But additionally, tolerance for our fellow brothers and sisters. As I like to say, your path may not be my path, but that doesn't mean your path isn't valid. So, I want to thank you for listening to the Align with Spirit podcast today. I'm not sure what our topic's going to be for next week yet, but I'm sure it will be fun and exciting, and I'm sure we'll have a good time. This is John Culbertson, and I'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Align with Spirit podcast, hosted by John Culbertson. The Align with Spirit podcast is supported by the contributions of generous listeners like you. For more information about John Culbertson, the host, or to help support us, please visit the website mysticjohnculbertson.com.